When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow, Monday edition. Glad you're here with us, uh, whether that is on the live stream or on this great radio partner, if you're listening, uh, to get you through the workday onto your Monday evening. Uh, we are live 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern each and every weekday here on the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, we've got Danny Cannell joining us in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss from the Florida State perspective and the details of the trustees meeting and uh, school president uh, and comments made last week. Prior to, prior to all of the news about expansion and realignment, and it happened fast, as Barrett Salee pointed out, what was the topic in college sports? NIL. NIL. NIL and, and how it's ruining the sport and, as we knew it. And transfer portal. Yep. And those that have been the most vocal about how NIL and the transfer portal need to be regulated. Federal legislation is needed. Um, They literally, uh, the Big 12 and the Big 10 just transfer portaled a conference. (laughs) They portaled it. After bitching about... The Pac-12, Hutton, has been portaled, is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, Teams bounced and entered the portal immediately and did it fast. The hypocritical nature of college athletics is playing out right in front of us. And I think in many instances, because the networks are so tied in to the, these conferences and the value that they're bringing and the huge piece of the monetary pie, it's a lot like the NFL where everyone's got a hand in uh, making money. Um, that's why I think it's kind of overshadowing the real topic of the players. They're looking for players to have a, a, a law in place and have a salary cap and uh, you can only transfer after three years where you go and it, it's wide open now, but it shouldn't be because it's ruining uh, what we knew about college sports as a, in general, about the student athlete. And on the exact same time frame, a week later, it's about being a business. So what happens if Congress can't get anything done? On behalf of this, if they if they just say, hey, it's it's totally fair in what they're doing based on what you're doing. And treat this like a business where players get more of the revenue that's coming in, the revenue share, these the, the TV dollars that they're not seeing a dime from. That's what's next. And how could you not argue that based on the leadership of these conferences doing exactly what they preached against at media days across the country literally weeks ago. So hypocritical and really laughable when you see how fast all of this took place. Well, and it also, it points to the hypocrisy at every level of leadership, at every major institution and every form of government in our, in our country. Because Tommy Tuberville, who we had on the show, and Joe Manchin, 
I would be so pissed off if I were them right now that you just wrote a bill to try to pass because conference commissioners and conference presidents and college coaches all came whining to you to fix NIL. We, we, this is completely out of control. These young men and women have no business making this much money. We have to stop it. There has to be regulation. And they formed this bill that has this whole guise of student athletes and academia and what matters for school and what matters for college and this and that. And sure, if they've been there for a while, they can make money, but in no way should they be allowed to transfer unless they're there for three years. And not a week and a half after that. These schools decide to bolt for different conferences. Why? Because of money. If I'm one of these senators, I go to the schools and say, you got to help me out here. I can't go and do interviews and go talk to people and say this is what's right for college sports because we got to get back to some sanity. While you guys go and flirt with whoever you want and leave for the bigger paycheck and disavow 108 years of a conference, disavow every rivalry that actually makes regional sense, and then go do something else. I can't sell that. Anyone with a full brain, not half of one, can see how hypocritical that is of these conferences. I'm right there with you. I don't know how you sell this now. If well, you're the school trying to levy any type of regulation on NIL or anything else with players, we always have understood the coaching thing, right? The argument has been, well, if a coach can leave, they can do this. Well, in that bill from the two senators, there was something in there about what? About if a coach leaves, they can go. You can transfer. Right? They made the business decision. They, they basically you went can with the, the old decision. NCAA rules. Yeah. But the NCAA rules, they were mall cops. I mean, they're, they're, policing, they're policing Jim Harbaugh over a hamburger while watching yeah. an entire Pac-12 that's been around for 115 years uh, disintegrate over a matter of months here Well, what I, we've seen. I, I think if you're going to – what I don't want is people to be on – look, if you don't think NIL is a problem – and you don't think this is a problem. We had Barrett Leon. He thinks it's no problem at all. Nothing to see here. It's great for the sport. All this stuff is great. I disagree. But if you don't think NIL is an issue, then don't say that this is an issue and vice versa. Right? If you think that NIL, NIL is a problem, but this isn't, I think that's hypocritical. Well, the, the, I think you've got to look at both soberly and say what makes sense for the sport and what also can help everyone involved, that's not going to be a 100% win for either side because rarely are things a 100% win for either side. And I think what we're getting now is this attempt by the schools and the conferences and the coaches to try to get that 100% win by taking the money to leave for and bolt for a different conference, showing zero loyalty, but demanding loyalty from their players in return. Right. I mean, it is about the almighty dollar but it's also about who's making the money and who's not. And that's what this comes down to. It, it is, you know, you're, you're moving, the teams are moving in to make money. It's about value there and what they're trying to do for the television networks and the, and the contracts there. But what they don't want and why they want federal legislation is they don't want the players getting revenue share any higher than what the budget is already dictating, which Shannon Terry and On3 Sports would say is about 9% of their budget is going towards payment of the top players across the country. And if you if you dig further into it with the the big time money that's about to lock in in 2024, what you don't want is revenue share and see the 9% turn into 49 and a half percent. If it's really going to the college NFL quote unquote model, 
that's what we would see because the players do get that share of the television revenue. That's what they're trying to keep out with the haves and the have-nots. And so they're complaining about players transferring wide open, the free agency, and it's you know the wild, wild west. And name image likeness is just, it's poaching. And, and though there, there are those that are tampering with rosters. You're having to recruit your own roster now. It is a mess. But on the exact same time frame, they're doing what they're preaching they hate. And I hope those at the federal level will look at this and say, hey, uh, be about actions, not words. Because all they've done is preach against it while acting in the exact same way. And in the interest of compromise, you know, that 9% to the 49% is a big leap. But could we reach a point where 15 20% goes back to the student-athletes with TV money? Would the colleges survive? Would athletic departments survive? Of course. Would a trustee or a school president have to have one less beach house on 30A in the SEC? Probably. They're going to lose out on all of the just insane amounts of money they're making. Someone is. Well, but you can still do all this and save the sport as a whole. It doesn't really bother and me. And everyone what, makes money. It doesn't bother me on the actual split in revenue. It's just the fact that they're doing this right in front of us. And that's not the headline. Because they, they're doing exactly what they preached against at podiums at length last month uh, throughout the, the national media and everyone at Big Ten and SEC Media Days. Jordan Acker up in uh, Michigan tweeted this out. And it, this is where I, I looked this up because I couldn't remember which market it was. I mentioned the travel, Chad. Uh, it will take less time for student athletes in non-chartered travel to go from Ann Arbor to London than it will to go to Eugene, Oregon. Isn't that crazy? I just, and again, I, I completely disagree with Barrett on this one point. I, I don't think fly. I don't think that the volleyball team and the women's softball team and every sport that they are going to for infinity account for that level of pay. Yeah. To send them all over the country crisscrossing back and forth. It has nothing to do with academics, is what I'm saying. It's all about money. When that cost is so much and they see how much more they're losing on those sports they are going to spin off those sports. Those are going to be NCAA-led. And then the two that make the money, football, men's basketball, are going to be their own thing. Mm -hmm. That's going to be separate of Title IX, a club team, or however you want to phrase it. And then that's how they're going to do it. I don't think this is good for every athlete. Is it good for the college football player? Sure. Playing once a week and going from Washington to Michigan for a game, not a big deal. You know, for the football teams that are playing that once-a-week schedule. But for everyone else... I'm telling you, there's going to be more issues, and we may be looking back in 10 years and saying, man, we, we got it all wrong. Maybe sooner than that. And, and Chad, in, in terms of eyeballs, value to a conference, who's doing what for the networks, how worried do you think some of the lesser, uh, the, the have-nots, the, the bottom half of the power two conferences, Big Ten and the SEC, how worried do you think they would be right now seeing everything going on and all the movement that we've seen and will still see soon to come for years and years I thought the one thing immune to all these major conferences SEC Big Ten anyone else was everyone was safe if you were there if you're a charter member or you've been there for many years they're not even going to correct a wrong they're not going to boot you out if they made a mistake a la Rutgers the Big Ten that's been a mistake honestly not for both sides because Rutgers has collected the check 
but they've done nothing. It's been the worst of the realignment moves. But Vanderbilt, uh, Northwestern, uh, Wake Forest, those programs would be safe regardless of how many eyeballs they received watching the games. But now we live in a world where Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA play in the Midwest-centric Big Ten. We live in a world that, according to Pete Thamel, you've got Stanford and Cal about to join the Atlantic Coast Conference. The Atlantic Coast Conference. So everything's on the board. Everything's a possibility. If I'm some of these programs I'm about to name, five, ten years from now, I'd get very nervous that you're going to get kicked out of your conference. Why? Because every decision is being made for money and money alone. And I looked up 2022 alone. This is from The Medium, a website that covers all things television ratings. 2022 eyeballs, regular season, college football. Not looking at basketball specifically, but college football is the driver of this, and that's the vehicle. The captain of the ship are the TV networks right now. So what are they going to look at? They're going to look at viewership. Dead last in the Power Five in 2022, 91st out of 119 teams listed, Vanderbilt, for whatever reason, the one team I could not find, is Duke in football. Fewest people watching the game. On average, Duke had 115,000 people watch their games on television. I think Duke is safe because of Duke basketball. Duke is also the most watched basketball program in America, men's basketball. They're going to be fine. Next on the list in the Power Five is Virginia at 79th. Virginia, probably going to be okay also because of basketball. Maybe not, though. This one would surprise me. Virginia Tech is 76th. Next worst on the list. Are they going to be safe? Who knows? Arizona State, for all the talk about Washington State and Oregon State and Stanford and Cal, they had far more viewers. In Oregon State's case, over twice as many viewers per game as Arizona State, who just got a sweetheart deal to go to the Big 12. Boston College, another one to watch that gets hardly anyone watching their games. But if you're looking at the two main conferences, the ones that are most likely to cut someone at some point because they're trying to get the perfect mix and they can be overly selective, that's the Big Ten and the SEC based on money, based on brands, based on programs in those conferences. I'm getting extremely nervous by Missouri, who ranked 50th nationally, dead last in the SEC by quite a bit in terms of eyeballs. Also, geographically, makes the least sense right now in the SEC, which thank you, SEC, for still making some sense when it comes to national geography of your conference. If I'm Vanderbilt, I'm getting a little bit nervous. If I'm Rutgers, who's last in the Big Ten, I'm getting a bit nervous also. I'm telling you, Hutton, I thought this would never happen, but the more I think about money being the only factor, someone's going to get cut at some point from one of these conferences. And I'd be on the lookout if I'm those schools. Well, the, I think the value, though, of the ACC, Big Ten, and SEC, now the Big 12 is relevant because of content that they can provide. But specifically ESPN, ESPN+, SEC Network, ACC Network. Uh, according to Brian Fisher uh, and an earnings report from S&P, uh, the ACC Network in 2022 had 42 million subscribers that actually have access to that network. Uh, Compared to ESPNU at 54.9 and FS1 at 72.2, if you're trying to just pay to get it as a streaming option. Now, look, a lot of this, you know, it has to do with your television package, where where you're on and who you play. 
So the games and, are in. A good example. Well, a good example is Pittsburgh was 56th on the list, but they're also one of only 37 schools that had a game that had more than 4 million viewers. And that is an important television threshold. That 4 million mark is big for TV networks with advertising. That was their overtime game against Tennessee. That was on ABC, got over 4 million viewers. Tennessee was fourth on the list. Now, here is the gulf that we're talking about in viewership. Duke, dead last in the Power Five, 115,000 viewers per regular season game. Number one in America, you could guess it, Ohio State, 5.8 million viewers per game. Number two, Alabama, 5.1. And then Michigan and Tennessee were the only other two to go over 4 million per game. Michigan at 4.3, Tennessee at 4.1. Those schools are eternally going to be fine if they can ever produce a number like that. And some at the top will always produce numbers like that. Well, Ohio, and let's get into the actual average that you just mentioned because the Ohio State average is larger than the NBA Finals average yeah. from this year. And we can compare some other big events to what college football is producing. Danny Cannell knows college football. He joins us next with the latest on Florida State, his alma mater. Glad you're with us today on this Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Can't wait to dive in with our next guest here, Danny Cannell, uh, CBS Sports, Sirius XM host, uh, FSU uh, is where he attended and played the prime position there. Played and very well. Played that prime he, position very well yes, this time at FSU uh, also. Former quarterback, of course, and would know those who have been making some public comments uh, about it's not if but when and where we're leaving the ACC. Danny, thanks for the time, man. And uh, I can't wait to just hear your reaction whenever you saw the comments last week from trustees and the school president. What's up, fellas? How we doing, man? Great, man? I'm I'm so ready to put all this to bed and like start football season. I know it, it's fun. Like it is a fun conversation, but I am so kind of over it. Are we going to have a like farewell to the Pac-12 this year? Do you think it's going to be emotional tribute? Are they going to have like rocking chairs? They're going to give out to all the school presidents on their way out tribute with the, video, the Pac-12 logo. It is going to be, yeah. I, I'm ready. I'm like you, I'm ready for games to happen, but it's going to be an odd year with so many big brands on their way out of long-time conferences, and then one conference completely on their way out as a conference together. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because I was trying to engage with some people on Twitter today because I think the majority of people are like, this sucks, right? Like, I mean, I and I'm, I would be in that camp, and yet I think this is part of the evolution of college football. I think we've all seen this coming, and we all – we all kind of knew that there was a chance this could happen, that, you know, those four corner schools could go to the big 12 and that uh, Oregon, Washington, they had been rumored for a while to go to the big 10 and maybe even likely to go to the big 10, which meant the demise of the pac 12. We all knew it was coming, but the finality of it really felt like it smacked a lot of people right upside the head on Friday. It was like, Oh my goodness, this is actually going to happen where we're no longer going to have a pac 12. But then at the same time, like, it's kind of exciting. Like, man, we're going to get to see some of these matchups and we're going to get better games on Saturday. So I think a lot of, I think it's kind of, I have these torn emotions because yeah, I'm a traditionalist and I love the history of college football, but I'm also, I want 
great games. Like I'm tired of seeing, you know, FCS matchups and 45 point spreads. And I think we're going to get to a place and we're getting there pretty soon where it's going to look a whole lot more like the NFL and on a weekly basis, those, those Saturday college football lines and spreads are going to start, start looking a lot more like the NFL ones they are going to be a lot tighter and the matchups are going to get that much better. So it is time to ask Florida state legend, Danny Cannell, why does Florida State deserve more than every other program in the ACC, as is being argued by many at Florida State right now? Well, so here's the thing. It sounds arrogant. It sounds cocky. Um, I think you could lay out a really strong case. Here's the thing, though. I don't think Florida State is saying that's the only way. Like, I think Florida State would love to stay in the ACC I think they've been trying to rattle the cage to try to put some pressure on ESPN and the ACC to say, you know what, man, they make some really good points. If we don't get our act together and figure something out, that's the problem is everyone's trying to figure this out. Then we might lose FSU. We might lose Florida state, but from a tradition standpoint, from a history standpoint, and Michael Alford, the athletic director, has laid out the case of why they mean more to the conference than everybody else. And I think even you guys would, you know, would be okay with, you know, it's 14 teams that uh, definitely 11 teams, Florida state means more deserves more than the rest. Miami Clemson. Those are two big brands that have rich tradition that have national championships that bring a lot of eyeballs. You could say, well, they might feel not, they, they're not comfortable saying, sure, Florida state, you're the only team that belongs there, but I don't think even Florida state wants to have to force this hand. They just feel it's in their best interest and not only their best interest, but it's for survival of Florida state over the next 13 years. Like, yeah, you could still compete on the national stage with a deficit or a gap as it's been referred to in revenues with schools in the sec and the big 10, you could patchwork something together, ask your boosters to kick in some funding for a couple years but 13 years, that's a lot to ask, especially when that gap keeps getting wider and wider and wider with how much schools the SEC are going to be raking in versus the ACC. So, you know, the, the news last week about the, you know, they're trying to find the, the equity firm to pay the buyout and help with all of that. They want to get something done with a plan and, and execution of that plan within the next 12 months. Are you surprised about how vocal they've been instead of keeping things behind the scenes like we've seen? with other realignment and other problems with conferences and where the, the direction that they're headed with payouts a little bit, but here's like, I shouldn't we appreciate that? Like, I think a lot of, yeah. and, if, and I know because Florida state's getting bashed. There's a lot of ACC schools that are very upset with them. Like, why are they saying this? You know, Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director at UNC was like, they signed on the dotted line. Like, why are they making such a big deal? They agreed to this deal even though Michael Alford wasn't there, the school president wasn't there. These board of trustees weren't there, but they signed, they should honor this contract. But Florida state, I think is trying to like send this message and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's I mean, there's so many different analogies you could give, but it's a relationship. I mean, how many times have we seen a, a relationship where, you know, a, a guy or a girl is like, Hey, you either put a ring on my finger or I'm calling it off. You put a ring on my finger or I'm calling it off. And then, you know, all of a sudden, either something happens. You put a ring on the finger, you get engaged, you get married, or you break up. That, to me, is what Florida State is doing kind of in the opposite direction. Like, either show me our worth, make, prove to us, pay us what we're worth, 
or we are going to exhaust this, what I think is pretty much a nuclear option of we're going to sue our way out. We're going to fight our way out. We're going to go borrow money, whatever it takes for us to get out of this TV deal is what Florida state is trying to do. So that if this in, you know, eventually does happen, Florida state can be like, man, we tried, we tried to do everything we could to feel, you know, to get fair compensation or not even fair, just competitive compensation with schools in the sec and the big 10. And if the ACC doesn't do it, Florida state can be like, well, we tried, you know, and they've, they've been, they've given that warning. And I don't know if that comes up in a court of law because it's one thing to pay the exit fee. It's another thing to get the grant of rights, you know, the ability for somebody to air them. Cause that's what the ACC owns. Florida state, if it was just the exit fee, I think they would raise it and they would pay it and they'd be gone. They're not sure if they're allowed to be shown on another network, you know, to, to get a deal done with another conference, with another network. That to me is the biggest complication in all of this. And I like the comparison about the demand for the ring, right? But how can they not see what Oregon and Washington just did where they, they didn't get the diamond, but they got the wedding band from the big 10. Right, like they, they took less than what the other member schools are going to get in the payout, which is more than what the Pac-12 was giving, but it's right around the same number. What what thirty million or up to fifty million that Florida State would be getting? What thirty-seven or I, I know if if they got a larger piece of the pie is what I'm saying. Right. They they could still get that, which I know they talked about in the spring. I I don't think they're going to get the top dollar. Uh, just based on Oregon not receiving the top dollar right out of the gate and joining the new conference. And I think they would. I mean, here, there's there's a couple complications because Big Ten, you know, the Florida State was attached to, you know, I've talked to a couple of people who said, hey, Big Ten could be in play, that Florida State could hop to the Big Ten. The SEC, you know, could be an option too. That one obviously regionally makes sense historically, like the crowd, that the fan base, the stadium atmosphere, I think makes more sense in the SEC. But I think Florida State would hop to either one of those for less, right? I mean, I, I don't know if they would take but, the deal that Oregon Washington did. The problem is, does the SEC have they has, has anything changed? We don't know since this new movement since Friday. But SEC, the SEC has been like, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna divvy up our pie another way. And is it just one school? Is it just Florida State? Right. Are there two more that they would have to invite? Then, then all of a sudden that pie that the sec has that they're dividing up between their members. Now, all of a sudden you have to add that. So everyone takes less money Florida state would, I think they would sign up for less of a share. It's just a matter of how much, but the invite has to be there. And so far it hasn't been there from the sec or the big 10 formally. Yeah. You know? So like, it's so like, I think, but, and again, the whole deal with the, 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 the revenue distribution model that they came up with the spring meetings, it'll kick for whatever, and it's based on merit, which I kind of like, right? Like if you win the national championship, if you make it to a new Year's six bowl, if you make it to the playoff, you get more money than Boston college who let's go out on a limb and just assume they're not in the conversation, right? We make that assumption that like, that seems fair, but even if you did that, it's only about $5 million more, which isn't going to even be a drop in the bucket compared to that gap. Like at the, in, I think it's within five, five or six years, you know, Florida state this year, the ACC schools get 40 million. You know, what is it for the sec and big 10? They're close to a hundred million per institution. You know, that's, that's a significant gap that you're having to overcome. And that was something that drew Weatherford, who's the former Florida state quarterback 
and you know, member of the board of trustees brought up in that meeting last week, he referenced this number of 400 million over, you know, the next 10 years, you know, 40 million a school. That is a significant gap to try to go to your boosters and say, man, we're trying to, you know, pay our coaching staff on a competitive base, pay our head coach, pay our players, have facilities, you know, that are up to speed with everybody else we're trying to compete with on the national stage. It's an existential crisis to use his words is it's not sustainable. So to your point about, you know, brand and eyeballs, ACC 10th nationally was Clemson with 2.59 million people per game watching Florida state was 15th nationally over 2 million as well. Next on the list is 43rd nationally NC state at under 900,000 people. That's a substantial drop off from Clemson, Florida state. And now, Danny, you suddenly got Florida State. Coaches poll comes out today. They're top 10 again. They're, they're eighth in the country, which leads to, you know, I feel like for the first time in a while, a legitimate race between Florida State and Clemson in the ACC, where it seems like for the last seven, eight years, it's been a foregone conclusion that Clemson is the team to beat in that conference. No doubt. And I think that's a big reason why Michael Alford has been a lot more confident, a lot louder, and really been that more vocal about Florida State standing. And you wonder, you know, let's say Florida State falls short of that expectation, you know, short of expectations, which they're lofty right now, right? It is like peak Florida State, like, hey, it's either Clemson or the ACC. If they fell short of that, which I would say would be eight and four, right? Even nine and three. But if it was an eight and four season, I think that's a but you know, a, a, a bad outcome for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles, you know, those other C ACC schools are gonna be like, Whoa, what were you guys talking all about? What was all that smack? You guys were, you know, bringing all that smoke this off season, what happened to delivering on it? So it does put some pressure on the football team, but I do think they're ready to step up and it's going to start on that Sunday night of Labor Day weekend against LSU, because you've got another opportunity. You beat them last year, you beat Florida you beat Oklahoma, who's going to the SEC. Like you, you've you had a lot of success last year. That's why I think it puts a ton of pressure on Mike Norvell and the Seminoles, not only just for his job security, which he's fine. He just got to like, just standing in college football. It kind of matters that much more so that Michael Alford and the school president and the board of trustees can be like, see, we told you we were worth this value to the conference. We went and delivered on it and kind of makes their case that much stronger and potentially puts more pressure on like if Florida state won the ACC got into the playoff, you think they're allowed now wait to wait till you hear from them next year. Now that's a lofty goal and a big expectation, but if they are, and I think on the flip side, you have to wonder if the ACC and ESPN, they say, uh Oh, you know, what if we do lose, you know, what if, what if, what if they do lose Florida state to the big 10 and let's be clear for Florida state, for leverage standpoint, the better leverage is for them to have an option to go to the to Big Ten, yeah. right? Because ESPN already owns the SEC. Like they're going to get Florida State one way or another in that sense. But if Florida State was able to fight their way out and go to the Big Ten and possibly bring somebody with them, another big brand, then all of a sudden, if you're ESPN, you're thinking, uh oh, you know, we're losing inventory of a, a school that brings in a lot of eyeballs, like you were mentioning. I do feel. I, you know, I sat down with Jim Phillips at the ACC media days in Charlotte, and I feel bad for him because I think he's trying to explore all options. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the very, very latest was that Florida state was potentially looking at some of the PAC 12 leftovers to have West yeah. coast inventory 
for, you know, they were looking at Cal and Stanford. Dude, talk about a gap. I mean, that might make a tiny dent into that gap if they could sell some sort of package. But I think it's more one of those band-aids like the revenue distribution model that they came up with at spring meetings. It it helps, but it's not going to be the solution by any means. Danny Cannell has been our guest on, on what's next for Florida State and the ACC. Always a great conversation, man. Uh, we're up against it here, but hopefully we can do it again soon because we love the perspective. Absolutely. And hopefully we're talking ball next time. That's my 18 that's what I days, hope. 18 days from kickoff. We'll be talking a lot yep. more about top 10 Florida state and others yep. next time you come on. You got it. Have a good one guys. You too. Yeah. He's right about the ESPN deal there because like ESPN, guess who's broadcasting Florida state LSU. ESPN, yeah, so ABC. moving to the, moving to the SEC doesn't make well much of a difference for ESPN. Cause they're saying, well, we've already got Florida state anyways. Yeah. Now they would certainly have more eyeballs on the product cause they're not playing you know, the bottom half of the ACC, which is affecting their television yeah, rating. Florida State LSU but, gets a lot more eyeballs or Florida State Alabama than... ESPN already has every right to broadcast every home game right. automatically. And then the crossover games are also on the network because they're playing SEC schools. Coming up, the strangest headlines from the weekend. Plus, we'll compare some of the big numbers of other sports to college football. Charlie Arnold, very special guest, and very special. Host, will join us in about very 20 special. minutes. Uh, Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. We'll get weird with Davey Hudson in a moment, including Beyonce and the state of Montana. Chad, you mentioned Ohio State is the highest-rated college football program for television, right? That is correct. For, for average, uh, they average. This was regular season only, so not accounting playoffs, right. bowls. Ohio State averaged 5.8 million viewers per game. So, to put in that in perspective, the NBA Finals averaged 5.5 uh, throughout that run. Th- that is... And that was regular season only, as, as you mentioned. That, th- this, this is, is a... The, so, this is a great example. This is an illustration of the dominance of NFL and college football in yeah, this country. Yeah. College football we, is the number have, two sport. We have long maintained. You can talk SEC and Big Ten, coast to coast. And people want to tune in more, not less, more than the LeBron James headline yeah, or what the Yankees did last you night. You cannot go wrong talking sports and keeping it with NFL or Play college football. When in doubt, default to what everyone's watching. Look at the investments right now yep. by the main networks. Uh, so I've got a game. list of Hall the- of Fame game, to your point. Yep. Uh- 6.3 million average for the Hall of Fame game last week. Which is insane because it's a scrimmage, right? I mean, it's a nothing game, but it's just the return of football. And it was the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers did not play in the game. Um, What is that number again? 6.3 million So this shows you the dominance of NFL over everything. Mm -hmm. Because 6.3 million, a scrimmage, the Hall of Fame game, would have been more than this past season in college football, the Iron Bowl. Auburn, Alabama had 6.27 million. Wow. So the Hall of Fame game did more okay. than the Iron Bowl. This goes even that further. Was, for that you. was 16th. It would have been, Hutton, the 15th most watched college football game of the season. And so would the flag football game that we saw for the Pro Bowl. 6.2 million average to watch the NFL Pro Bowl. 6.2 million, Hutton, was the exact same viewership as Oregon, Georgia to open the season <laughs> in Atlanta. 
on the opening Saturday of college football. The 17th highest rated game. Even though that was a blowout. Of the season. Isn't that remarkable? And a blowout. Now, you know, one thing to keep in mind is there are exclusive windows in the NFL that help them out. Sure. College football's drowned out. You know, how many people were watching all of college football during the Oregon-Georgia game at 2.30 on the opening Saturday of college football with other games going on? A lot. You know, just like the NFL in some ways, but the ones we're talking about exclusive windows, but still, we're talking about scrimmages yes. and flag football games. It's crazy. And these are good numbers for college football games Also, in those windows. Also crazy, some of the weird headlines from the weekend with more. Let's get weird with Davey Hudson. Hard day's work, a beer off. Yeah, a the couple of these off you make with the, what you got. So I think that's doable. Sometimes, whatever you have, these out there, if it was about 90 degrees out there, go down a tree. We've been where you've been and he's been. It's because you're barley. Put more than twice as big as that. Supper or pickled onions or something. Like the Agberg, whatever it is, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> the wise words. All right, guys. So just wanted to. Randomly play that what clip. Language was that? What language? Was, uh, what was that inaudible clip that we just, that I, you just played? I think he was Irish. Okay. What's Could that, be what, Scottish. What, what is that in? Uh, so we were actually debating. So that's Jeremy Clarkson. You might know him uh, more commonly from Top Gear, but that was apparently a show called Clarkson's Farms. Yeah. I, I don't know either show. <laughs> you ever <laughs> heard of Top honest. Gear? I'm a fan of pop culture. I've seen, I've seen Top I've Gear. I've heard of Top Gear, but I've never seen Top Gear or that other show. And it's Clarkson's Farms? Maybe just farm. Interesting. No, okay. no S on it. We'll do our research. Yeah. I can understand the animals on that farm. Davey, you've done clip. some research. A little bit. I'll use the time to go ahead and get into the fact of the day. Yes. All right, guys. So how many time zones do you think there are? <laughs> In the biz, that's what we call a segue. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I like to make it weird. This is, the, this is the softball being thrown. How many time zones? Yeah. How many time zones are there globally? Correct. Uh, it's probably going to be way say, off. 17? I was going to say 10 to 12. No, I mean, it makes sense if there were 24. You know, it's like each hour of the day. But there's actually more than that. There's 38 local times okay. that, that are observed. And if uh, you recall back to other facts of the day in the past, I told you that Russia has 11 different time zones. But that's actually not the country with the most recognized time zones. Do you want to take a guess on which country that is and how many? Is Antarctica, North Korea. Is, North Korea. is Antarctica a country? No, they do uh, not count. Territory? I don't know. It's actually France. What? I think that's weird. Eh, you can thank colonization for that. They have 13, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. They recognize 13 time zones in a country that small. Well, they own, or they technically are in charge of several other countries across the world. But that's not France. Those are different countries that are but, territories of France. I'm just letting you know what the Guinness Book of World Records hmm. currently has down. Okay. They they list uh, 13, and it says, owing to the number of territories it governs beyond Europe, France has 12, and for a period of time of the year, 13 time zones. So Cannot argue with the fact of the day. Interesting. I do, I do my research. So, But, guys, I, I figured, you know what? It's been a minute. We'll actually dive into some uh, fill-in-the-blank headlines, see what you guys think. I know you've not been able to see these, and so as uh, we dive in now, our first one, a pilot blames what for nearly causing a disaster? Pigeons. <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm thinking uh, of Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, something people have seen, where the birds with Sean Connery, where they throw them on the beach, get it going, and takes the plane down. 
Uh, I'm, th- I'm saying Dave, I'm going to go back to a, a topic you had last week, which is uh, someone attempting to join the Mile High Club. Ooh, that'd be a good one. No, he actually blamed a stuffy nose. Uh, this is actually, we're lucky no one died in this incident. But back in February, there was a JetBlue flight that was coming in for a landing in Boston. And a private plane disregarded the air traffic controller's directions as far as, hey, repeat back to me what I just said, decided to get on the runway and almost take off anyway. Mm. And as they were doing the investigation into this, uh, the quote was, make sure I get this right. Thought I had it here. He, He ended up saying, I cannot understand what happened to me during the clearance. The only thing that comes to mind is that the cold temperature in Boston affected me. I was not feeling completely well and had a stuffed nose. My apologies. That's tough. I didn't know this until watching the show Hijack on Apple TV Plus with Idris Elba. Show of the summer, by the way. Terrific. Very entertaining. I thought it was Big 12 it's on the like, Pac-12. It's like Passenger 57, like from the 90s. Air okay. Force One. Very much a, like a 90s throwback thriller TV show. But I didn't know that when planes crossed country territory, they have to acknowledge who they are and what they're doing. Even commercial flights as they're going out from country to country. So you'll have like uh, the, the Bucharest air traffic control when you're flying over Romania will contact you and you have to report back what's going on. It's a big plot in this hijack how they, they got to get the pilot back in to try to relay messages that yeah. everything's okay while they're being hijacked on the plane. So learn something every day. Guys, we'll stick with the uh, topic of flying, uh, but this time we're going to go to one of the biggest superstars in the world, and that is Beyonce. Beyonce demands staff fly blank. For her to use. I'm going to say her bed. It's got to be something big that you couldn't just like have as carry on. So um, bed's a great answer. Her California king. Um, I'm going to say fly her beautician. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually personal toilets. Wow. Apparently Beyonce, according to the sun, they put this one out there. She refuses to use toilets that other people have used before. So they, there's a picture of uh, them carrying this toilet seat uh, as they tour the world and across the country, and this just goes on apparently every flight. Uh, so it's not, it the, it's not the full toilet. It's uh, just the toilet, the toilet seat, seat they replace seat. everywhere yeah. she, she goes? She has like, uh, yeah, several toilet seats that they'll take. I had actually read something about this before. I think it's less about her being unwilling to use a toilet seat someone else has used yeah. and more about one time a hotel worker took her toilet seat and put it for sale. After she sat on in the hotel. So she wanted to stop that. People were trying to sell toilet seats that Beyonce sat on. But only Beyonce, I haven't heard this about any other artist. Yeah, but it's so only Beyonce I, I think, I think part of it is that weirded her out, you know, obviously. And someone was trying to profit <laughs> off of it. So she only uses her own toilet seats when she travels now. Uh, that's bizarre. I swear what's, that I read that somewhere. I'm sure, ca- she, I'm sure she demands other things be flown. Uh, you- including that bed. What's your guys' theory on like public restroom usage as far as like if you got to go number two? It's like I know a lot oh, of people like it. they just they, they, they won't go. Like they're just like, I'll hold it. I'll wait till I get home. But I mean, sometimes you got emergencies. Well, you got to uh, do something. Sure. Huh? If it's an emergency, absolutely. But it, it also depends on the venue, man. Yeah. Right. I, I think if you're somewhere long enough, like at work, like you always know the right spot to go. Yeah. That's the cleanest location. I remember on a campus at Tennessee. When I went to school there, I knew like two spots on campus based on where I had a class that in an emergency I could make it to. And there was no one in these bathrooms. 
There is one. I almost don't want to give the secret away. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, don't. There's one in the art and architecture building <laughs> that's on the wall. There's a second floor bathroom that does not have a label on it. It's like a very artsy class building. And you go up. There's never anyone in that bathroom. That was one of them. The other one was it? on. It was like an old English building on, on school, the English department that downstairs had a bathroom that was a single bathroom no one would ever use. Yeah, but the, uh, the market next to the old gas station is never you know there's only one option there Davey next time you go to a Tennessee football game with me I'm going to take you <laughs> as a good friend of mine I don't know about Davey yet but I'm going to take Hutton to the art and architecture second floor bathroom when you have to go that will be the day and that it'll it, be locked it will be exclusive it'll say in use. you're going to love it I know exactly how to get there we're going to walk right in <laughs> they usually have no it one's going to be in there it's going to be great they usually have that locked now and they might on game day, but when classes are in session, this is more like you're running across campus trying to go somewhere, and you're also trying to go, and then you stop there. Tip, it's a of, great the, spot. tip of the trade, if you're, you're worried about that, is you put toilet paper down on the toilet seat before using it. Yeah, that's just uh, too much of a hassle for me. <laughs> you got to go, you got to go. I'm just going to bring my own toilet seat. Seems now. like a lot of work, you know? Yeah, just be Beyonce. Just carry it everywhere. Yeah. Put it in your backpack. I mean, if she's doing that, she's also like bringing bed sheets and things too like if you're taking the toilet seat you take other things in that room it, it makes me think of george costanza who would take the shirt off <laughs> you know i was in the bathroom here at six and peabody at one point at a urinal and there was a little boy with his dad and the little boy is probably four but <laughs> had like the full pants and underwear <laughs> down at his ankles using the urinal which always makes me laugh when i see that like little kids only know one way and it's just to take everything off to go <laughs> every time it's great uh guys from a superstar in Beyonce to what do we call Kesha washed up at this point? I don't know much of Kesha's recent work. I don't know what no. she's been up to. She's been like a featured artist on some albums. She lives in Nashville for a while. She solo. She's from Brentwood uh, here locally. Well, based off her uh, recent tweet, I would say she's struggling a little bit. But uh, dog destroys Kesha's blank foot. Foot. Uh, a, a very expensive, uh, either jewelry or accessory, like a purse or a bag. I guess you kind of were in the right direction huh, by saying accessory, but it was a $250 vibrator. And uh, she decided to tweet this out and by saying it was her, her mom's dog that destroyed this and then decided to go at the company, WeVibe, to ask for a, a free handout. Uh, this, this is NIL. Uh, if it were in college athletics right here. This is a plant. Uh, she mentions them in the response. Uh, and she has $250 based yeah, on she, the... Yeah, she the, wants some money. She, she wants some, some free swag is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Can we show that tweet again too? She's for already the, paid it once. For the love of God, hook a B-I-S-H. Bish. Yeah. Another way of saying another word. Correct. Up. Again, but she... I've she, never seen that though. I've never seen that abbreviation for it. But she usually people just write out the word. Uh, but I she, didn't know that was the thing. I hate all lowercase too. Though, like that's that's a that's yeah. to me. She's getting something in return. Uh, there. I mean, if you're if you're using a pardon the pun a plug there. Yeah. Figured easy. You, you mentioned in, in that, but again, she's got two hundred fifty bucks. You're willing to pay. A, you're, so. you're willing to pay twelve hundred to go see Creed on a you know on a cruise. That's a good point. Uh, she's getting. This is having other people she's order saying, what she has. I don't she's know, saying man. TikTok before TikTok. I mean, she's got some money. 
That song alone had to bring in some cash. You'd be surprised how quick they go through it. Unless her parents own the rights to everything. Could be. She could be living at her parents' house in Brentwood right now. Yeah. By the way, Kevin Federline turned out better than Britney Spears. Who would have thought that? (laughs) That's a headline. Future headline. Kevin Federline, more responsible than Britney Spears. That and more next. Charlie Arnold.